Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Distributor for electrical and data com needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauly on America's Sports Voice, King of OX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. We do welcome you into the program. It's Graveyard Sports Open Line. My name's Matt Pauly. Thanks so much for making us a part of your Friday evening. As Matt Pajeski was just saying, on a rainy Friday evening, we welcome you in to the program. I guess I come back from commercial breaks and I open the show using many of the same words and Matt Pajeski likes to make fun of me about that. So he was just doing that a moment ago. So I had to make sure to, uh, to get that in full two hour program tonight. Cardinals off today, which is good considering the weather situation. Yep. They, they put this off day in. So that way, if you have bad weather on one day, you can still get all your opening day festivities in the next day. And uh, this year it worked out perfect because playing baseball tonight might have been a little dicey. They probably could have done it. Uh, there's a little bit of rain coming down in downtown St. Louis right now, but uh, that's all right. They'll take the day off today and get back at it uh, coming up tomorrow. Uh, by the way, and most importantly, more important than anything else, I'm going to say tonight if the weather situation picks up again, tornado warnings pop up again, whatever it might be, we're here for you. We'll, we'll jump into what we're doing here, and uh, we'll go uh, into uh, severe weather coverage and keep you up to date just as we were over the last hour. And I was, I'm going to pat ourselves, uh, the, the collective us here at KMOX. I'm going to pat ourselves on the back. So bear with me for just a moment because yesterday was my first Cardinals opening day working for KMOX and living back in St. Louis after growing up here and going to opening day year after year after year uh, as a kid. But yesterday was my first day working for KMOX. And then, really, we haven't had much severe weather since I've been back here. So watching what uh, Michael Calhoun and company were doing over the last hour, I just, again, I'm going to pat ourselves on back. I hope this doesn't sound too arrogant and egotistical from a station standpoint. But just my my take on this. It's really cool what we did the last two days, like the last 36 to 48 hours. Yesterday, the opening day coverage, starting first thing in the morning with Total Information AM. Kegs and Eggs was awesome. I went out there for a little while. Uh, we had four hours of programming out there uh, with Amy Markscourse and Chris Ranji and Kevin Wheeler and Tom Ackerman. And just it was a sold-out event and all the people that were there. So we're doing radio. We're running this event. We're doing all kinds of things. And just the full day of baseball coverage uh, yesterday. And it, it continued on into the game broadcast and obviously the post-game show and everything. And Joe Pott and I got to do the extra inning show together yesterday. Like it was so... 
it was so much. It, it was great. It was uh, again. I'm patting ourselves on the back. Um, it was for Cardinals fans. I think what we did here at KMOX yesterday was really cool. And opening day is a really, really important day. And I was just so very proud to be a tiny part of what we had going. And then I was a 0% part of what's been going on today, but just the way that we've handled severe weather and keeping you up to date and trying our best to help keep you safe. Uh, I was listening to Dave Murray talk during uh, the Dave Glover show, and I found it really interesting. Like he was talking about the severe weather and how you know sometimes tornadoes uh, don't hit St. Louis quite as much because they're able to kind of feed on the farmland and whether it's on uh, you know be it fifty miles and out from downtown St. Louis to the Illinois side or to the Missouri side and uh, some of the farmland, some of the the moist air that more exists there compared to the dry air that's going on uh, closer to St. Louis. Like oh, that was really interesting to me. And I'm not a weather nerd, but I found that to be incredibly. interesting. Interesting, And then as the weather starts to move in, we're right there on top of it. So just whether it's baseball yesterday, severe weather today, it was really cool to kind of watch what we did here at KMOX. I thought it was really good. So that's just a that's a compliment to all of my colleagues for everything that they did, because I was a tiny, tiny part of anything that happened. The other, I'm the I'm the late guy, right? Like I'm the guy who comes in and works evenings. And works nights. So I don't see on an everyday basis a lot of the really cool, really talented people that we hear that we have here at KMOX. Like yesterday, I got to be around people that I don't get to be around very often at all and just kind of spend time with them. And they you welcome them in to your homes and into your cars on an everyday basis. And they seem like wonderful people to you. Well, they are wonderful people. And it was just great for me to be able to actually spend some time with them over the last day. So there you go. That's my stand up and pat our collective selves on the back. Uh, KMOX moment. We do have a lot to get to today on the program. Uh, we'll continue to look back on opening day, what happened. Uh, we'll get into the Wilson Contreras situation. The Cardinals did give a bit of an update on Contreras. The bottom line on, on Contreras is that the uh, imaging came back clear. Yesterday we knew that the x-rays were negative. They sent him back for an MRI. MRI's back clear as well. Uh, there does seem to be some pain. He's listed as day-to-day. I would be, I would be shocked to see him in the lineup tomorrow. And I would be fairly surprised to see him catching at any point over the next few days. You would think once he returns to the lineup, maybe he returns to the lineup as a DH if the if that lineup situation presents itself in uh, some form or fashion. But all things considered, the fact that you're probably getting away from that situation, taking a 100-plus mile-per-hour pitch straight off the knee, the fact that it doesn't seem to be much more than some type of bruise, that's a good thing for the Cardinals. But yesterday does present the fact that the Cardinals, as deep as they are, don't have a lot of depth at catcher. And if you were to lose Wilson Contreras for an extended amount of time, that could derail some things that this team wants to do. And do they need to address that? We were presented with that, you know, that, that idea yesterday. So we'll get into that coming up in uh, just a while. The pitch clock. Didn't really, we had a long game in St. Louis, but how did it work across Major League Baseball? We'll uh, get into that. Our guest today, our guy, Nate Gatter, he's going to join us in uh, just a few minutes. Uh, we're going to have Corey Miller from Channel 5 next hour. We're also going to have Jeremy Boyer on. He is an organist at both Bush Stadium and uh, the Enterprise Center. Have you ever wanted to um, 
hear what goes into being an organist and the way they go about uh, just kind of being part of the production at a game. We'll talk with uh, Jeremy Boyer about that uh, later on in the program as well. As always, if you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. You can also uh, tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. We're back with Nate Gatter. That's next right here on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is America's Sports Voice. KMOX. Open line does continue here on KMOX. Uh, we're calling it a weekly conversation. We bring them on uh, probably about once a week or so. You also hear him on the weekend hosting the St. Louis Soccer Report here on KMOX. He's our good friend, Nate Gatter, who is uh, in Columbia as he's going to be attempting to broadcast some uh, Missouri softball uh, this weekend and tonight. Nate, always appreciate you taking some time with us. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Matt? I am good. Before we get into um, St. Louis City, which just continues to be an amazing story. Uh, it was opening day in St. Louis yesterday. Just, do you have uh, do you have thoughts? Do you have you know, what does opening day mean to you and mean to your family? And and, and you've got a, a history around the game of baseball. Like, what is that? What does that day mean to you? Yeah, it's interesting that you ask me that because yesterday I was there as a fan, and it was actually the first time I've ever attended opening day in person in St. Louis or anywhere else. Um, and it's just something I've never gotten around to. And I think before yesterday, I would have told you, oh, yeah, it's great. I'm happy to have baseball season back. At the same time, I, more so than almost anybody I know who loves baseball as much as I do, do not like baseball when it's cold. Mm-hmm. So normally the idea of baseball in March in the Midwest is not super appealing to me. Like, it was great weather yesterday. If it had been 45 degrees at first pitch, I probably would have had a lot less fun. Um, but when I was standing there during the opening ceremonies, I was thinking to myself, you know, I hadn't been as jazzed up about going. I was excited, but it hadn't been, like, circled on my calendar in the way it would have been when I was 12. And standing there, I kind of felt 12 years old again because the pageantry is just so massive in St. Louis. It's such a community event. There were so many people there. And, And to me, that's what sports are really about, when we can bring people together in a way that is, you know, I love the nitty-gritty of the on-field stuff, but that when we can bring people together in a way that has social relevance, uh, that's ultimately why I care about sports, and I think what makes it really beautiful and relevant to a society. Um, 
it was a really cool experience. This is sappy, and you'll probably like it, though, as a, as a, a relatively new dad still, or a dad of a young kid at least. Um, I was riding up the escalator, and there was a dad and his son in front of me, and the son was probably six years old, seven years old, and he's just holding his dad's hand, and he was doing all he could not to literally jump up and down on the escalator because his dad was telling him it was unsafe. And, like, you have to stand still. But he, he was just so excited. And in that, that was sort of emotional for me. I think it would have been really emotional had it been, you know, first season full houses again after COVID. Um, but still, there's a part of me that that just connects you with something that was there at childhood that ultimately is why all of us are into doing this. And it was just watching him, it, it made me feel something that I, I – it harkened back to how I would have felt as a six-year-old myself going up that escalator. And I think maybe opening day as compared to other days, there's a little more six-year-old inside us. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really well said. I I went to opening day with my mom every year. My dad was like you. He didn't like cold-weather baseball, so he stayed home. And I went to opening day with my mom. And it, I, it had been 12, 13, 14 years since I'd been to an opening day, just as my career had progressed outside of St. Louis. And all those memories came flooding back yesterday. And they, I'll be honest, the, when the Clydesdales, came, the, the Clydesdales, the Clydesdales come out and I see them and I'm, I'm on my phone, like taping them because I'm going to tweet out a video about it. And you hear that as they're going around, the crowd goes crazy as the Clydesdales are getting closer and closer. And like, I choked up a little bit. It's freaking horses. And I'm choking up a little bit. I'm like, Matt, you're 40 years old and you're here working. And these are horses that are going around. What are you doing? But it, it to me, like you said, like the pageant of it, it, it was a little bit emotional for me being my first one there in a good number of years. It, it's silly, right? You're yeah. almost, it's the kind of thing you almost hesitate to admit on the radio because it, it seems juvenile in some ways, and I, I get that, but, and it is corny, and I think it's one of those things probably that in the way that many people around baseball do when they look at something like this that's an event in St. Louis, people sort of half admire it as, wow, what a cultural thing baseball is in St. Louis. And they sort of half roll their eyes. And can you believe how corny this is? St. Louis is talking about how they get choked up at the Clydesdales. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, 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 that's just, there's beauty in that. And it makes me think this is, you know, just as only tangentially related, but it makes me think of this, this Derek Gould tweet. Derek Gould obviously covers the, the Cardinals for the Post-Dispatch. And he, he tweeted this years ago. And I've never forgotten it, in part because, at least for a long time, I don't know if he still does, he used to have it pinned at the top of his Twitter feed. And it was a guy, I don't even know what the guy was responding to, because it was before quote tweets were a thing on Twitter. And, and it's, a, it's a guy saying to him, you know, what are you, at 12 years old? Like, why, why are you into this? I don't even know what he's talking about. And Derek says back, I'm old enough to be unapologetically comfortable with the things that keep me young. And I think about that a lot. And I tell you what, opening day is one of those things, the Clydesdales, whatever it is. Uh, the whole pageantry, the culture of baseball is one of those things for me. Yeah, it was a, it was a really fun day. I'm glad you got to uh, experience it, to be sure. All right, let's jump into soccer a little bit. Uh, City SC just continues to roll. They, they can't lose. Are they ever going to uh, lose a match, Nate? Let's start off with the big question. Uh, yes, <laughs> and I'm going to say they will do it in the next three weeks. Uh, I'm concerned about this Saturday. I uh, I think they're probably more likely to win still than Minnesota United are, but I think I would go with a draw this Saturday, most likely. Certainly it's going to be close. And then I think they're likely to lose the following week in Seattle, which is no great criticism. Many good teams lose in Seattle. 
Beyond that, I think FC Cincinnati then will be a big test as well back home. So that, that's the, the takeaway right now is, my goodness, they are really good, better than we thought. And it's, it is, though, for the reasons that we thought, which is, first of all, a lot of the unproven players have stepped up and played really well. More importantly, the club has an identity that is very unusual for an expansion team that exists from the front office down through the coaching staff to the first team players, even to the academy coaches and players. There is a lot of continuity in the club, and everybody understands this is the mission. This is the way we want to play. This is how we're going to get things accomplished. Uh, Johnny Nelson, the, the left back, said, you know, there are no big egos as compared to other teams that he's played on. He said there are no blank holes on the team. And that's, uh, you know, that's an interesting thing for a guy to come out and say because, you know, he knows former teammates of his, other teams he's been on, they can read that. And they're probably thinking, you know, maybe we did have an ego or two in the room. Maybe not everybody wanted to play this way. It's one of the reasons that City were so deliberate about not going out and signing the aging, high-priced, big-name European players because they weren't convinced those guys were going to want to work as hard as City have to work in order to make their style functional. And so that identity is winning out. And it's, MLS generally has a fair amount of parity because of the salary cap restrictions outside of the three DPs. Pretty much every team is spending the same, and so the margins can be pretty small in the way that sometimes they are, say, in the NFL, where even the bottom teams in the league can get wins over the top teams, partially because of that salary cap. At the same time, I do think you have to point out that the first five games have been pretty easy overall. On average, they have not played great teams to this point. Austin away, probably the most difficult match up to now. These next three teams are all going to be as good or better than any of the five they've already played. Minnesota in particular is going to be a very interesting matchup because, as we've talked about before, and certainly we talk about it a lot on Sunday evenings on the St. Louis City Soccer Report, City are somewhat unusual in that the style they play because of the press and how they want to turn teams over and turn that into offense, it doesn't require a lot of possession of the ball. Normally, possession is a decent proxy for how a game is going, and the team that has more of the ball is probably having the better of the game. St. Louis City have averaged only about 42.5% possession so far this year, which is second lowest of the 29 teams in Major League Soccer. That's unusual for a team with that little possession to be as good as they've been. On the flip side, Minnesota United also like to play without the ball. They're the only one of the 29 teams with less possession this year than City. They average about 41.5%. So, And I know this isn't exactly how it works, but if you put those numbers together, they add up to around 84%, a little bit more. So there's 15% and change in this game, 15.5% possession, that in theory, based on how they played so far this season, neither team really wants. And that's going to be an interesting dynamic for the game. It's unusual to have two teams playing against each other that are both designed to play without the ball. And I think City will have to work harder to break down Minnesota United than they've had to some of these other teams because Minnesota United will be happy to sit back. They call it in soccer parking the bus play with a lot of guys or all their guys behind the ball sort of sit in a low block defensively and absorb that pressure and then try to come out of the counter and city have not put together a lot of goals this year of 25 passes breaking down a very packed in opposing defense so i think it's going to be a very interesting dynamic for people on saturday maybe a more caging kg low uh, scoring game than what we've seen for city so far um, but a, an interesting tactical battle and then really tough challenges coming up away against Seattle and back home against Cincinnati. Is their goal differential more impressive when you consider their possession percentage? 
Yes and no. Um, you know, some of that is the, the goals they've been gifted. Now, at the same time, you know, those goals off of opposing mistakes are maybe caused by the press to some degree, especially because of how the press can wear on opposing back lines that are not used to facing that kind of discomfort over the course of an entire 90 minutes. Um, I think they have been pretty clinical. So soccer, uh, one of the main soccer stats people talk about in terms of analytics is expected goals or XG. And City are pretty substantially outperforming their expected goals right now. You see that talked about in hockey, too, other sports that are kind of low scoring, where you basically take every number except the actual goals and try to put them together to say what, how many goals should each team have scored. City are outperforming right now their expected goals. It's unlikely. They're doing it almost doubling their expected goal total. That's unlikely to sustain. At the same time, you know, they've won 7-0 over the last two games combined, and that doesn't happen by accident. They are creating chances, and they're taking them. So uh, I think it's unlikely they're going to be this effective, this clinical in front of goal all season, but they're certainly going to keep scoring goals at a higher rate than we were expecting coming into the year. And to the point of that goal difference, you could make the argument as a result of it, which, by the way, is plus 11, which is just an incredible number through five games, that City are off to the best start any Major League Soccer team has ever had, not just an expansion team, any team ever. The last two teams to start with five wins from five were 2012 Sporting Kansas City and then I think 1996 LA Galaxy. It was in the 90s. They both started with five wins from five. Neither one had a plus 11 goal difference or even all that close to it. So you could argue, combining the five wins and the plus 11 goal difference, that City are off to literally the best five-game start of any team in the history of the league, expansion or otherwise. Davis, I read this somewhere else, and I, I wish I could give credit, but I can't because I don't remember where I read it. But basically, somebody said they've essentially already done about one-third of the work needed to be a playoff team this year. At what point, and there's still a ton of season left, at what point do we start looking at that and start saying, okay, this is the legitimate path to the postseason for this club? Already, I think. Uh, to me, they passed it. They've already raised expectations so much. I will be extremely disappointed if they don't make the playoffs. Uh, there are nine playoff spots. Now the eight and nine teams have to play in against each other. So you could argue maybe eight true playoff spots. The teams that finish in the top eight advance to the first round, which is going to be best two out of three, and mean that even the lower-seeded team will be guaranteed a home playoff game. So for me, the goal is to finish. Coming into the season, the pie-in-the-sky goal was to finish eight and guarantee a home game in the playoffs at City Park. Now, I think that's a very realistic goal. The pie-in-the-sky goal now is probably to hang on and finish in the top four. I mean, maybe you could argue that the pie-in-the-sky goal is to even do better than that. But I I think it's very realistic to try to finish in the top eight, in part because they built a double-digit buffer already over the playoff spots. And you're exactly right that they're probably getting close to a third of their points they're going to need in order to make the playoffs. And they've only played five out of 34 games. That's That's a pretty small fraction. So... I think at this point, and I don't want to be unfair to them, and and we have to be wary of, I described it last Sunday as sort of like the golden handcuffs of sports fandom, right? People talk Mm -hmm. about golden handcuffs in a financial context that generally Americans, as they make more money, immediately start to spend more money, and they never really feel like they're getting ahead. That sports fans are prone to that, too, that as expectations are exceeded, they just quickly reset expectations, and they forget to be grateful for how much the original expectations were exceeded. So I don't want to be unfair to them and sort of punish them for how well they've played so far. At the same time, I would be very disappointed if they don't make the playoffs now just because of the point total that they have, and they've essentially been spotted to a 10-plus point lead 
over the playoff spots, I think you have to adjust expectations to some degree. You and uh, Jen Cease Gensner will have uh, the St. Louis City Soccer Report coming up uh, this weekend. What do you guys have uh, on tap? Well, actually, the highlight is something that we've sort of teased the last couple of weeks indirectly, which is that Jen uh, got a chance to talk to Becky Sauerbrunn, captain of the United States Women's National Team and a former Ledoux Ram, Mm -hmm. a JB Marine Club uh, girl here from St. Louis. And Becky, of course, now toward the tail end of her career, one of the really accomplished veterans on the U.S. Women's National Team, which will be coming to St. Louis in just a couple of weeks' time, April 11th at City Park, to play one of their final tune-up games before the World Cup this summer against the Republic of Ireland, themselves headed to the World Cup uh, later on this summer in Australia and New Zealand. We are really excited to have her on. We're going to continue to talk uh, an awful lot about, of course, City and then also U.S. Women's National Team uh, ahead of their game in a couple of weeks' time. Becky was either one or two years behind me in high school, but I have no clue if she has any clue who I am. Uh, she probably does. You're famous now in no. her hometown. She's she's a loyal sports open line listener. That's what I heard. I uh, I I would bet she doesn't know who I am. I would gamble on that one. Well, soon enough she will, Matt Pauly. Just give it time. All right, fair enough. Nate, great stuff as always. Have a great show this weekend, and uh, we'll talk again uh, hopefully next week. Thanks a lot, Matt. That's Nate Gatter joining us here on a Gray Bar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. We will take a break. We've got a lot more to get to. Still doing a whole lot of baseball, looking back at uh, everything that happened on opening day and uh, looking forward with the Cardinals. A lot more coming up right here on KMOX. Our sports open line continues here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. We take you till 8 o'clock this evening in the 7 o'clock hour. We are going to be joined by uh, Channel 5's Corey Miller. We'll also be joined by Bush Stadium and Enterprise Center organist Jeremy Boyer. He's got an album of organ music out. We're going to talk about that and uh, just what it's like to be an organist at a uh, professional sporting event. If you'd like to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, my question for you, and the phone lines are open. would love to hear your take. How concerned are you right now about the Cardinals catching situation in terms of depth of the catcher's position? Something that we were talking about a little bit before yesterday, but we're talking about a lot right now. So Wilson Contreras is catching Jordan Hicks yesterday. He does not catch one of his fastballs, or it was a sinker, but sinker is a type of fastball. And at about 100, 200, 3 miles per hour, it gets him right uh, right, kind of on that knee pad and, and flush onto the knee. And uh, he had a hard time walking. Now we learned after the game yesterday that the x-rays came back negative for Contreras. So that was good. There was no knee fracture. Uh, There could still be other things going on, so they had to take him for an MRI. The imaging is back on that. And according to uh, Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel, John Denton from uh, Cardinals.com and MLB.com tweeting out earlier today, just as the x-rays on his right knee came back negative, Wilson Contreras' MRI was clean. The Cardinals catcher took a sinker off the shin guard. It appears to avoid serious injury, but the team is doing more testing on the knee. And then later on in the day, uh, Denton quoting uh, President of Baseball Operations John Mozeliak saying that Wilson Contreras with a right knee contusion will be listed as day-to-day. So that creates a situation where Andrew Kisner as the backup catcher 
is going to probably be catching for the next few days. And it just kind of reminds you that as deep as this roster is, and it is really the, the roster is about as deep as any roster in baseball. The one area where they can't probably navigate through an extended absence from their starter, the only position you can really say that about is probably a catcher. You just you're not going to be able to replicate even some of the production the way the roster is built right now. Now I, I realize who's on this team. I realize you've got an MVP and Paul Goldschmidt at first base. I realize that you've got one of the best players in baseball at third base with Nolan Arenado, who impacts the game in so many ways. If they lose one of those two players for an extended amount of time, it's not going to be easy to navigate through. But especially because you have somebody like a Brendan Donovan who you can mix and match, and even a Nolan Gorman. There are things that you can do in, in the outfield. If you lose a Tyler O'Neill, if you if you lose a Lars Newtbar, you've got Dylan Carlson sitting right there. Like There's depth everywhere in the starting rotation. They start the season without Adam Wainwright. You've got Woodford ready to go. If they were to lose another starter, you've got a Matthew Liebertor in the minors. You've got Dakota Hudson. You've got some other guys who you could give some starts to. The bullpen, that was... That was as much of a battle in spring training as as any battle for this roster. So you go all the way around every single position group. They're covered. They're not covered, a catcher. With all due respect to Andrew Kisner, he just, when you look at his body of work last year, spring training this year, he just is not providing a whole lot for this team. Cardinals pitchers like throwing to him. Like, this is not a an indictment of who he is, especially from a defensive standpoint. He's not a great defensive catcher. He's not going to embarrass himself, but he has not done much offensively. And if there was any indictment of kind of what the Cardinals thought about the catching position moving forward was the moment the season ended last year, they went into the offseason saying, we need to find a new catcher. That was the That was the word. It was not a... We'll look at the catching market and Andrew Kisner's involved in this uh, as well. Like that wasn't, they, they never talked about Kisner as potentially being that next guy. And to be perfectly honest and blunt with you, I didn't think Kisner was going to make the team out of spring. There was a lot more, not that Trace Barrera contributed that much in spring training, but he contributed more than Kisner did. And when you listen to Oliver Marmel talk, there was a lot more positive things said about Barrera than there were Kisner. And I just kept listening going, man, they're they're going to they're going to break camp and come north and Barrera is going to be the backup catcher and it didn't work out that way. And catcher more than any other position, familiarity with a with the, with a pitching staff and with an organization and with the the pitching uh, kind of plan and program for for a team, all those things, there's there's a lot of value in that. So that's where Kisner brings value. I'm not trying to sit here telling you that Andrew Kisner doesn't bring value to the Cardinals. He absolutely does, but he's not contributing a whole lot offensively. And you just are in a spot where if Wilson Contreras was to miss an extended amount of time, I'm not quite sure what the organization does at um, at, the, at that point moving forward. And, yeah, they, they there's some catchers in the wings coming up through the system and they're not ready yet. Even Anavon Herrera, 
He's he's got some big league time, but it, there wasn't much talk about him competing for that backup catcher's job this year. Like this, this would have been kind of on that timeline, considering the fact of when he made his big league debut and he was in the big leagues a little bit last year and all that. This would have kind of been that year where you thought that you just look, you know, historically at what the catchers have done or what the Cardinals have done when it comes to young catchers and. This would have been that year where it felt like maybe he's coming into spring training competing for that backup job, and it just never really felt that way. So I think the Cardinals you know, dodged the proverbial bullet here with Contreras. He might miss a few days. I would, If he's listed as day-to-day, I would be shocked if he's catching tomorrow. I would really be shocked if he's in the lineup tomorrow. And then maybe at some point in time you get him back in as the DH, and eventually he's catching within the next handful of days. But – that could have gone much worse. You take a 103-mile-per-hour pitch off the knee, that could be an extended amount of time being out of service. And when we have talked about the Cardinals' lineup depth, so much has been built around the addition of a Wilson Contreras, where the Cardinals were getting so little offensively out of their catcher spot previously. Now you have a middle-of-the-order bat at that catcher spot it completely changes the offensive profile and the offensive depth of the lineup for the Cardinals. They need him to be able to be there. You know who your three, four, five hitters are going to be, and then you build the rest of the lineup around those three, four, five hitters. So it's it's an interesting place for the Cardinals to be. They we know that they have the prospect capital available. That if they need to go trade for a veteran backup catcher that's got a solid offensive profile, they can do it. They can do it right now. Like that, that is one phone call away. The Cardinals can pull off that trade. Um, and, and bluntly, they can probably pull off that trade only trading away prospects who there's a good chance don't have much of a future in the organization anyways, because of how deep the organization is. We've talked about this a lot. Just the 40 man roster is so, so full that, and you've got guys who are coming up on that point where you've you have to add them or you're going to lose them for nothing. Some of these guys you're going to want to trade away just so you can get something for them before they leave the organization. So if they needed to go acquire the profile of a catcher that I just mentioned, they can do it. That that can happen. And whether or not they are going to do that, probably if, if Contreras is fine, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, and that's that they've got some time on this, but it yesterday's injury, I think all of a sudden the worst case scenario started flashing across the eyes of many Cardinals fans. Brian tweeting at me says when Kisner came up to the bat after Contreras was out, uh, the Cardinals had a runner on second with no outs. Kisner bunted a fly ball out. Terrible. Yeah. It, I thought it was interesting. They were having him bunt in that situation. We know Oliver Marmel doesn't like bunting and we are not going to go into a bunting cut. We are way too early into the season to get into a long conversation about bunting, but you talk about the, the indictment of somebody or the, uh, the lack of confidence in someone's offensive profile the fact that they were having Kisner bunt in that situation, that certainly did say something uh, about uh, about that situation. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, two things. The Cardinals do make a small trade today. We'll tell you what that trade looks like. And have you seen the Memphis starting lineup? It is stacked. It is stacked. We'll tell you all about it in just a moment as we continue on. It's a uh, Gray Bar Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley here on KMOX. 
Chiefs of Grimmar Sports Open Line. Goes Smith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back at it, it's the Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Coming up in the second hour of the program, we're joined by uh, Corey Miller from Channel 5 at about 7.20. 7.35, Bush Stadium and Enterprise Center organist Jeremy Boyer will be uh, with us. So we've got uh, a lot coming up. The Memphis Redbirds have an opportunity to be a really good club this year at AAA. Uh, we were looking at their lineup a little while ago for uh, tonight. They are They are in action. The Memphis Redbirds lineup is absolutely stacked, and they should be a good team. This is uh, this is the lineup tonight for Memphis. Mason Wynn leading off, playing shortstop. Kramer Robertson batting second at third base. Juan Yepes in right field batting third. Moises Gomez, the number four hitter, he's a DH. Avon Herrera catching, batting fifth. Lucan Baker is the at first base. Oscar Mercado bats seventh. Um, and then uh, Scott Hurst is in left field. Kirikuto is the uh, second baseman, batting in the ninth spot. And their starting pitcher is Matthew Libertor. None of those players would embarrass themselves at the big league level. And when you look at Wynn, Robertson, Yepes, the power of Gomez, Herrera was in the big leagues last year, Oscar Mercado, like the six of those nine I just listed, that they, they, they would be, they could be on a big league roster depending on other organizations they're in. Matthew Libertor, the starter, he's obviously pitched in the big leagues as well. They've got a chance to be a really, really, really good team uh, this year. Uh, Cardinals did make a small move today. Anthony Bacevich, who I lo- so. I saw Misevich in spring training in his first spring training appearance, and I thought he was really good. Like I was, I was really excited about what Misevich might bring to the Cardinals. Watching him in his first outing, I did not see his other outings, and he was not as good. His numbers were not as uh, dominant in the other outings. But he threw this cutter in his first outing that was just dominant, and I. I thought there was he was going to make the team after watching that first appearance, and uh, he leveled out a little bit. He was acquired just before spring got started. He was acquired from Kansas City. Well, they needed his 40-man roster spot for Jordan Walker, and now he has been moved. He was traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks in exchange for cash consideration, so he should be able to get an opportunity with Arizona. That's, that's, that's where the human side of things come in. Just think about it. If you're Anthony Masevich, you go through your entire offseason, and you're a member of the Kansas City Royals, and then just a couple weeks before spring training is about to start, you end up losing your spot on the 40-man roster with Kansas City, so you, you, you get moved to St. Louis. So that means all this time you had been planning to go to spring training in Arizona. Now you got to change everything that you got to go to spring training in Florida. You get to the Cardinals, and you have an okay spring. They need a 40-man roster spot. A lot of people thought that maybe they would move somebody to the 60-day injured list to create a spot on the 40-man. Instead, they decide to use uh, Misevich's spot, and now you're over to, to Arizona. Like, it's just, that's from a human standpoint, that's tough. 
that's not easy. So uh, hopefully he does well. Uh, he was somebody who spent a very small amount of time with the organization. But uh, if that cutter is on, he's he's got a chance to be really good. And that's another example of the Cardinals' 40-man roster being so stacked. You lose good players basically for nothing, for cash considerations, which is the equivalent of nothing. One hour down, one more to go. Don't go anywhere. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.